BeastNet is brought to you by James Safety Services in partnership with OCR Bunny and OCR Strong. Here we discuss all things OCR and fitness related. Welcome to BeastNet. Hey everybody, Mike with BeastNet here and uh, today I've got with me Megan. Uh, Megan, I mean, you've been on here a few times, so hopefully people have figured out who you are by now. But Yeah, I hope so. I mean, this is kind of a monthly thing now, so it's it great to be back talking with you. It is. So how have you been over there? I've seen you've been doing a bunch of OCRs and a bunch of stuff since you've been back. And, you know, how's it been? Yeah, I came home from New Zealand and I just jumped in head first. I was kind of absolutely terrified um, knowing that I was going out to Indian Mud Run. So I um, last minute decided to jump into a terrain race over here, my first ever terrain race, and was pleasantly surprised. They actually had some like solid grips on their rig. So that gave me a good test. I was able to see how my grip was um, holding up with, you know, nunchucks, cannonballs, all the works. Yep. Um, And that was great. Um, Their little Tarzan swing rope thing. While personally, I think they need maybe one or two more ropes because it's a very wide reach Mm -hmm. for anybody under the height of like five, eight. Um, that gave me a really good practice for mm-hmm. Indian Mud Run because Indian Mud Run had their mooring lines from, I think it's a uh, frontline obstacle, maybe um, one of those race ready obstacles. Mm-hmm. And it was something of the similar where it was a bunch of hanging ropes. Um, there was like a fire hose in the middle and you had to swing across these long ropes and that one was tripping everybody up. Um, I ended up keeping my band at Indian Mud Run, and I'm very thankful for that. And then the challenge over here had a trail race. And of course, I'm going to be running anyways on a Sunday. So I jumped into that. And then we had Savage Boston. So I went four weeks straight of racing, even though every other race was a um, training race. I still was jumping into a race every week and it was great to be back. That's awesome. That is so much, that, that is awesome. I've, that's when the hard part here is we don't have a lot of races, obstacle races here. I did the CSU a couple of weeks ago, which mm-hmm. is amazing. Um, which if anybody wants to do the, the CSU, let me know. I mean, I, I've got a discount code for that one, but uh, <laughs> um, also I, I did the Ragnar. Right. I saw that. How did that so, go? It went really well. Um, I felt, I, I felt good. Um, I'll be honest though. I pushed really hard on the, on the runs and a couple of those, they were really hilly. Um, yeah. and my legs have been hating me. So, um, okay. my, my runs for the last three days have been really iffy because I'm just trying to, and I'm just doing the normal runs. I'm not pushing for the, these days. Cause I just want to make sure I'm my, I'm, my legs are still moving kind of, you know, get the blood flowing, but I don't want to push because I've got like, you know, I've got a triathlon this weekend. So right. it's hard for, you know, Ragnar is a different beast. I mean, it's a whole yeah. different, I'd never done it before. And I mean, I was having major problems trying to find places to sleep and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So I really went almost the full over 36 hours without sleep and Yikes. running and doing everything else. And it was just kind of, you know, my, my body, the final run, I was surprised I was able to keep the pace that I did. Um, but I was, I, you know, I finished it cause I was the last runner. So mm-hmm. I got to run the finish line. Um, but it just, yeah, I was very surprised with how much sleep, lack of sleep I had that I was able to push that last one. Cause there was also a hill on that thing that was just stupid. 
Oh, of course. They always have to make you end on a hill, right? Oh, yeah. It's like probably a little over halfway and you're going, you're like, okay, and I'm doing it. I'm keeping a pretty good pace um, for me anyway. And then all of a sudden I see that hill and I'm like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. (laughs) And you go up this hill and I think it was something like two or 300 feet and less than like half a mile. I mean, it's like straight up, but then it's a slow, like two miles of like slow grade getting back, you know? So, I mean, that kind of helped, but I mean, it was, it was interesting. It was definitely fun. It's something I definitely want to do again, but I I gotta, I think next time, you know, a couple of people brought like, you know, air mattresses that blew up on the, 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 on their own. They were pretty good, Mm -hmm. you know, stuff like that. And I'm like, I didn't bring any of that. I even forgot a hoodie. Wow. You know, I was just, you know, focusing on everything I was going to need for running. Didn't even think that one of my runs is at like, I think it started at like 3.30 in the morning. So, yeah, and I didn't bring a hoodie and I'm like, shoot. So I bought one, but then I wore it during that 3.30 run. So by the time I got, you know, and it was a nine mile run at 3.30 in the morning. Yeah. And by the time I hit mile, probably four or five, probably even before that, I'm coated in sweat because now mm-hmm. I'm wearing a hoodie and I'm, I'm running hard and I just, it was killing me. So I literally, I, I messaged everyone and said, Hey, when you're coming through to the, you know, to the next pickup point, you need to go, as you go past me, you need to take this hoodie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, but they didn't catch up to me till like mile seven. So it's oh. like I seven miles wearing, and it was one of those, I didn't want to carry it. And I'm like, at this point, I'm like, I'm already wearing, it. I'm just going to go. So I just wore it for seven miles. And I mean, it was like, I went to put it on the next day. And I mean, it's like dripping still. I'm like, no, nope, I'm done. No, anyway, yeah. Yeah. no thank <laughs> yeah. you. I'll just be cold. <laughs> yeah. I don't blame you. <laughs> Your body warms up really quickly. It does. And I, and I forget about that. Like, cause I was, I was cold. It was cold yeah. that morning. Cause we're right up out on the, you know, we're out on the, the water right next to the water. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, that I thought I had the leg right before that, where you actually get a run across is this bri- famous bridge up here called Deception Pass Bridge. That's okay. huge. And you get to run across the bridge in the like the twilight hours, which is wow. really, really cool. It was cool to drive across it. And I didn't get that. I was on the next leg. So we're right there on the water and it was cold. And I'm like, oh, you know, and I was thinking about it and I'm like, but I kept thinking I'm going to get warm but it was just so cold and I'm like, forget it. I'll wear the hoodie. And then I, about a mile and I'm like, yeah, this was a bad choice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Need like a thinner base layer next time. Yeah. And I, that's what annoys me. I have them. I have yeah. all those base layers, everything that I have from running during the winter and all that. Cause even in the winter, I don't wear a hoodie. Right. I have a long sleeve shirt. That's actually really thin, but it's just enough to keep the wind off you because you warm up, you know, and enough to like soak off the water so that you're not, you know, freezing from that and i mean that's what i should have had with me but it was just it was bad planning on my part so and i know better for next time yeah live and learn Mm -hmm. yeah definitely want to do it again though definitely want to. that's awesome that's one thing i haven't done yet but i really want to um i've heard that the ragnar trail races are just phenomenal i hate road running um but i mean even here they have it out to the cape and I would love to give that a try, but it's always the same weekend as another race. Yep. Somewhere. And, uh, and that's, I, I've never been able to, and probably the one thing I would say, if you do it, find a team that you can put up with. Yeah. <laughs> because, isn't, like that, the, isn't that the rule for everything? It is. But I mean, on a Ragnar, the one thing I learned, if we, luckily we all got along, all six of us, we had a blast. I mean, there's 12, mm-hmm. but there's two bands. So we had the, our, the, the six in our band. We all got along. We all had about the same sense of humor. 
So it wasn't, there wasn't any hurt feelings. There was nothing, but I've heard on other ones where all of a sudden, if something starts, you know, people start getting on each other's nerves, there's nothing. You've got 33 hours that you're stuck in a van together, except for those few, that little bit of time you're running. Yep. You're just stuck in a van together. And I'm like, Oh, you know, so luckily we had a, we had a pretty good group. Um, yeah, I, I would love to do it again. So. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's some of the stuff I've been up to. I'm getting ready for the triathlon. Um, like I said, this weekend, and then I got another one next weekend. Cause well, I'm dumb. Um, <laughs> cause <laughs> You're I not giving your body weekend. any recovery. No, no. I, and I'll be honest. That is usually one of the most people I talk to, you know, that's usually one of my biggest things. They're like, you mm-hmm. don't give yourself recovery at all. And I'm like, my problem is, is I know me. Yeah. If I give myself a little bit, I'm going to, if I take an inch, if I give myself an inch, I'm going to take a mile. And and right. I know it. And it's like if I know if I stop, you know, doing stuff, I'm gonna stop. So mm-hmm. it's kind of, and I know I need to to schedule in more breaks than I do, but it's just kind of you know. I mean, I'm just gonna say it. Following like a little bit more of a structured mm-hmm. program will help. You know, I have one of those downstairs. Yeah, um, <laughs> something like that. You know, when somebody says, "Okay, well, this weekend you're only gonna run like 90 minutes." <laughs> You can skip a race and you can go run your 90 minutes and then take the rest of the weekend and recover. I can, I can. I need you know? to do that. I need to. Well, I think that's one thing that I, I figured out after this weekend, because I've been doing, you know, like everyone knows I've had the streaks going. I had the, I've had the mile, run a mile every day for over two years now. But then for this year, I've been running a 5k every day. Yep. And I think that's going to end. Okay. I, I've been really biting my tongue hard every time you mention it. Cause I'm like, and, and I think running. it's got to end run streaks are not smart for your body no and the, the one mile i'm like whatever i mean a mile's a mile you know it, it's a quick little warm-up you know to whatever workout i'm doing so that one but the, the 5k I, I i mean i it's one of those i'm i'm so invested i'm over you know i'm seven months in but mm-hmm. it's like it's got my legs i need my legs need the break mm-hmm. they really do um i would say you know uh what at least one or two days go for your bike ride instead yeah. go swim um i mean i still think you should get at least one true rest day a week but um throw in more of your like non-impact stuff instead of just running every single day and yeah. not to say that you know you're not getting that stuff as well because i know you are oh, yeah. but you can see my garment know- now so yeah. <laughs> yes I, I definitely can now I'm going to be sending you messages like, uh, what's going on here? Why are you doing this? <laughs> yeah, no. And it's actually, I mean, the garment, I'm so happy I got it. I mean, it's one yeah. of those, I've had Fitbit for years and it's just because in Fitbit's like, if you just want to know how many steps you take, but if you want yep. real data, the Garmin, I mean, even only having it a week, I'm like, oh, damn. Yeah. I can see my heart rate. I can see everything I did. I can see my ups and downs, you know, where my heart rate was at different elevations, what I was doing. Like I did the first time I used it for a bike today, just to, to test out, you know, some of the adjustments that have been made to my bike. And I've got the clips now to really make sure, cause I had some issues with them last time to make sure yeah. I got those worked out and they did great. But I, I, once I got done, I looked at the Garmin, it was just a quick four mile ride. And I'm like, Oh, I can see here's where that big hill was. So I can see where mm-hmm. I slowed down and my heart rate, you know, my speed went down, but my heart rate shot up. 
Yep. You know, and then it's like, okay, so I can see where I was pushing on that hill and stuff like that. So, you know, it's, there's a lot more data and when I swam, I could see everything when I swam. So, I mean, it's like, oh yeah, I love this thing. It's so so awesome. I actually just bought a mountain bike a couple of weeks ago. Nice. And that, that was like my early birthday present to myself. That was of course, before I spent the money to now fly out to battle of the lions on my birthday weekend. So uh, (laughs) I will also be going out there to race, but I bought a mountain bike and me and my running partner, he also mountain bikes and we've used it as an excuse to every Wednesday, get out and start mountain biking. And as we're going, you know, I have very strict, you know, on your biking days, here is your heart rate. Like don't overexert yourself. And with your, when you're mountain biking, um, you push really hard, your heart rate gets really high. And I went and I was looking and whenever I'm out on a run, you know, it'll give me my heart rate zone specific Mm -hmm. for running. My heart rate zones are completely different when I'm mountain biking versus when I'm running. So naturally, because it's harder to get your heart rate up when you're biking versus running, my heart rate zones for like threshold or like redlining, whatever else they are, you know, 10 beats per minute lower. So then I'm looking and I'm like, how am I in the 170s? when I'm biking, I've never been here before. I'm like, even in my, on my Garmin, it's saying that I am way too high, but I'm like, oh, I'm mountain biking. I have to figure out how to actually climb a hill while staying seated and shifting gears. And, oh yeah, it's hotter than hell here. Um, our heat index was a hundred today. So yeah. 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 It's going to get hot here. And I mean, but hot here, it's like 80 or something like that. And I'm like, this sucks. Yeah. Um, it was 80 degrees at 7 a.m. this morning. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm out. With humidity. So Ooh. heat indexes through the roof. I actually had to run my hills on a treadmill today. And that's like the one thing I refuse to ever do unless it's like necessary. And see, that's the thing for me. It's like, I, I still need to, you know, do a run today. I like I said, I only did a quick four mile bike ride, but I was going to do a run. But it's like in the middle of the day, I'm like, yeah, no, I'll wait till this evening. Yeah. Cause I didn't do yeah. it this morning. So I'll wait till this evening. So I was messing with the bike this morning. So, but yep. yeah, no, it's, it'll be good. I mean, the triathlon is going to be interesting. So we're going to see, I've been swimming a bunch. I think Saturday I'm going to do a, just a little jump in the open water, do a little bit of, you know, just a couple 500 meters or so just to kind of get, you know, whatever, because the, before the triathlon, I don't want to push too hard. Right. Right. Go That's ahead. why it was just a quick four mile bike ride today. I'm like, I just want to make sure everything's dialed in. Yep. You know, because that's, I don't, that's what happened the last one. I didn't do a quick dial in that like a couple of days before, and then the bike totally messed up on me. So I'm like, nope, don't want that right. again. So yeah, good. Oh yeah. Trying to get into it. You know, I've got the workout plan. I've been doing some of the stuff, but I'm not, I haven't been consistent. That's my fault. So, but it's partly too. I've, I've had so many races that I keep pushing. <laughs> up and I'm like, yeah. Oh, yeah, I got this race. And then my legs are smoked afterwards. And I'm like, yeah, I don't want to do anything else. You Understandable. Know? Um, the program is there to help you prevent you from overtraining. And when you're racing a lot, overtraining is very easy to do. So I understand if like, you can't do everything that's programmed out because the program is written as if you're not racing every single week, it's a build plan to get you to whatever your goal will be not factoring in you're pushing, you know, zone five every weekend at a race. I've got one weekend break coming up, I think. Trying to think, I was trying to remember when the Spartans are. So I've got triathlon this weekend, triathlon next weekend, and then I think a break. Okay. And then trifecta weekend, 
and then the trifecta weekend. Okay. So, cause I'm doing Seattle and then flying to Hawaii and doing Hawaii the very next weekend. So I'm doing trifecta weekend after trifecta weekend. Seattle's in August now. Yeah. They moved it. Oh, wow. So okay. instead of, they put it in the place where Portland used to be. Okay. I was going to so, say that's the Portland weekend usually. And now Portland, that's my birthday weekend. Yeah. They flopped them. So Seattle is now when Portland was and Portland is now when Seattle was. So, okay. So, and I'm skipping Portland for the first time in years because, uh, the Ironman is the next day. Oh, okay. Yeah, Portland, the Portland Spartans on Saturday, Ironman's on Sunday. And I'm like, <sighs> priorities. Yeah, I, I don't want to take the chance of blowing out something, hurting something, doing a sprint that, I mean, not to sound bad, that I don't need. Right. And taking out, you know, not being able to, you know, finish the Ironman. So, right. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. I look forward to seeing how that goes and then also getting you on an actual training plan so we can after, recover your body and then build your body. <laughs> after Ironman, I might do Tough Mudder the weekend after Ironman. Haven't decided yet. Okay. Um, and then after that, I don't have anything until Dallas. So it looks okay. like a month later. Okay. But, but yeah, so I'll have a break there for a bit. But I will say I have been meditating though and working on the, heart, the, the breathing. So trying to get that. And I, and I, I'll be honest, I think that helped a lot when I was doing the Ragnar where I could sit there and there was a couple of times where all of a sudden I'm like, okay, breathing's getting out of control. And I'm like, just, you know, kind of go into that space, even while I'm running of where I was meditating, trying yeah. to get that breathing to drop down and get it into, get my heart rate going to the right spot, which I really wish I'd had the Garmin before Ragnar. So I could have seen what the, you know, my, mm -hmm. where I was on those, but I, it literally showed up Friday like two hours after I left. To oh, of Ragnar. course. So like of I was course. getting ready to start running Ragnar and I see this notification. Hey, it's, it's arrived. I'm like, son of a, but, isn't that usually how it works though? Yeah. But it, I got a great deal of buddy of mine, uh, Nate, who is in Hawaii. He bought a new, whatever the $900 expensive one is. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there's no way I'm spending that much on a watch, but, uh, he bought a new one of those and he had, it's the forerunner 935. He's like, Oh, oh yeah. He's like hundred bucks. You want it? I'm like, yeah, I do. That's an amazing deal. Yeah. I'm like, I'm looking at, you know, the, the, the used ones online yeah. for like two fifty, And he's like, yeah, yeah hundred bucks. I'll send it to you. And I'm like, here you go. Perfect. Your head <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Oh. Awesome. Oh. So I know we haven't really like talked about, I mean, we don't really talk about like having a topic all that often, no. but, um, it's funny hearing you explain how the Ragnar went, talking about how much, how all of these hills were going. And I'm thinking, well, so I don't know if you saw in Spartan groups, but I think a week ago after the Palmerton race, a bunch of people, at least in the Northeast Spartan groups were freaking out like, oh my gosh, Palmerton just destroyed me. Am I going to die at Killington? So I reached out to, um, the person who's in charge of Spartan on Facebook and said, Hey, I have this mountain series program that I wrote for Spartan back in like 2018. Mm -hmm. um, would it be okay if I post this? It doesn't actually live on the Spartan website. They had sent it out in emails instead for anybody who was running the mountain series. So it's the only program that I wrote that they actually packaged up really nicely in a PDF, but then they never put it on the website. And um, this person looked at it and said, well, the branding is off. So Spartan can't 
post it as themselves right now. They would have to repurpose it, change up the branding. There's just way the too branding much going on. Yeah, they're like, there's just wait. it would take way too long. And we have too much stuff going on in the office. Uh, but to be honest, Megan, your posts get a much better reaction and response than majority of Spartans posts anyways. So go ahead and post it, you know, maybe just preface that you wrote it a couple years ago. So they know that it is a couple years old. So there's not that confusion, but go ahead and post it, which um, so then I did that. I posted it across all of the different groups and it was very much a mountain series training program. Mm -hmm. So training people specifically for mountains. And I said, you know, we have Killington coming up. We have Tahoe. You're going to do Hawaii. Yeah. People are going to be running the Jersey trifecta weekend. They're going to be running West Virginia. I don't know what the national series or the um, North American championship looks like up in um, Canada, but I'm willing to bet that there's going to be mountains involved. Oh, probably. So I'm like, now is the time where we need to be focusing on our mountain training. Mm -hmm. So I think now is the perfect time to talk about it. Oh, it is. How it are is. you? I agree. How are you training for mountains? Uh, not right. Um, no. Um, <laughs> okay. Honestly, not a lot of people train for them, right? It's been one of those things. It's been a while. Um, me and Don used to quite a bit. We'd go up. There's a hill right by my house that it's 250 feet and a half mile. Mm -hmm. And we'd basically just go do hill repeats. We'd run up and down the hill like idiots for hours. Um, otherwise, it's usually the every route that I pick if I'm running outside. And that's been my biggest thing. I've been running on the treadmill so much because I've been, you know, just everything yeah. else going on. And I've spent way too much time on the treadmill. Um, but if I'm running outside every route that I make, I have a hill on it because there are so many like the CC race I did. There was 4000 feet eleva elevation in those 35. Yep. That's a lot of a lot of up. It is. Um, you know, Ragnar had a few hills, but I mean, they were just mm -hmm. one or two, but they were, they were steep, you know, and I know Hawaii, I'm going to Hawaii. Hawaii's got huge hills and a lot of people miss that. They're like, oh no, yeah. Hawaii, it's going to be flat. It's an Island. No, it's got, it rivals Montana on the hills. So, I mean, it's, it's brutal for mountain series, you know, and that's really, I, I need to work on those a lot more. So that's usually, like I said, we'd go to, there's a couple of hills by here and do hill repeats. Uh, stairs is another one um, that'll do a lot. I have a couple of places I can just go running up and down the stairs and stuff like that. But that's usually when I'm training hard on them, which I should be, but I've been kind of focusing on one. That's been my problem. I've had so many races I'm signed up for. I'm signed up. I, I'm focusing just on the next one. And if I was smart, I would be focusing on the fact that, hey, in like three weeks, you're going to be doing a mountain. So if you keep going the way I am, I'm going to have a week to train for that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I mean, real, realistically, if you're training for the hills now, that's only going to help, you know, everything else, everything else. Yeah, exactly. Somebody had posted in like the West Coast Spartan. They're like, I'm getting ready to run Tahoe. Um, I what is a training plan that I can do starting in August? And I'm like, why are, why don't you start now? Oh, well, I'm running a half marathon first. I'm like, newsflash, half marathon training is Tahoe training, just to add in a little bit more strength training and a little bit more hills. It's going to help your, your half marathon. And then all of that is going to help with Tahoe. And I think a lot of people don't know how to connect everything together. I think people see, hey, I'm getting ready to run a hill race. So, oh, well, now I'm going to 
completely destroy my legs or I'm going to hop on a stair stepper or I'm going to go bring my weight vest out and find a hill and just go up and down and up and down and up and down. But realistically, if you're training hills year round, if you're learning how to keep your leg muscles working the way they should, and if you're learning how to control your heart rate, not only on hills, but also on flats, you're going to be able to push harder on those hills. And it can go from either, you know, when you're going up the death march, I'll say. So many people are counting their steps and they're like, okay, I'm going to take 20 steps and then I'm going to take a break. I'm going to take 20 steps and then I'm going to take a break. And if you're consistently learning how to control your heart rate, then it's like, oh, I hit my 20 steps, but I can keep going. Or your pace is getting so much faster. Maybe you are starting to run a little bit more. And it's not because you're sitting here doing nonstop hill repeats with a weight vest. It's because you can tell what's going on with your heart rate and that not only that physical toughness is better, but the mental toughness Mm -hmm. is also better. And I think that might be the biggest thing. Majority of the people who train for obstacle course racing miss. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it's one of those things, like I said, for me, it was one of usually, and that's one of the things I think I've missed like the last year where I had a lot of ideas in my head on where I wanted to go. And I did a lot more. And I think that's one of the other reasons, like I said, I think that the 5k day needs to end because that's all I'm doing. I'm not doing any more. I'm not doing distance at all mm-hmm. where before I would do like once a month, I do at least a half marathon, if not, you know, and every other month I'd run a marathon, you know, not necessarily a, a whatever, but at least that distance. And I haven't done that except for when I've done races, you know, right. that, I'm only doing the 5k a day because it's like, I'm so smoked by the weekend. Cause I'm doing a 5k every single day mm-hmm. by the weekend. I'm like, I don't want to go run a half marathon, you know? And that's where all my health training was. Cause my half marathon route that I take that I do for my house, I get about 700 feet elevation. So, and, and that was kind of it because I put that hill repeat that I told you about me and Dawn is about four miles from my house. And I go up and down it like three times during my half my half marathon, just to get that hill in. And then there's another spot where I run up some stairs. So it's like, you know, I had that in there and that's one thing I've been missing this year. And I think that's why I've been having Partly, I think why I've been having problems with some of my breathing when I'm outside running, because I spend so much time doing. Once I hit 5K, I burn out. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you this, then. Why haven't you done like hill repeats as your 5K for a day? I just I don't know. I'll be honest, because I I, most of what I've been doing is the treadmill. And for whatever reason, before I hated the treadmill. But for the last this year pretty much it's been i would say 90 percent of my running has been on the treadmill which used to be the opposite right my hill workout today i mean like i said when i started i absolutely hate running hills on a treadmill Mm -hmm. when i program hills i know my clients probably hate me because i'm always saying you know i'm not giving them a time frame to rest because i'm like no i want you to do this on a real hill And I want you to recover just going down the hill, like walk or jog down the hill. I don't want you descending at like high speeds. I want your heart rate to come down. And when you get back to the bottom of the hill, go right back up. And so I, 
majority of my hill workouts, actually, in fact, all of my hill workouts get minimum three miles. I'm usually pushing more of five miles when I'm on a real hill. When I'm on a treadmill, it's hard to decipher, obviously, because watches hate treadmills and Mm -hmm. whatever else. They do. They do. Um, So yeah, you could easily just turn one of those runs into hill repeats. Or, you know, if you are running so frequently, add in a little bit more strength that's going to benefit your hill work. And what that means is your glutes and your hamstrings. We see so many people, you know, sitting here and doing nonstop squats, nonstop lunges, and then they get out to the hills and their hip flexors are overactive. Their, you know, lower back is hurting and they're getting aches and pains all down their legs because their glutes and their hamstrings aren't firing like they should. Yeah. And that's where you need your strength training to coincide with your hill running to make sure that your glutes and hamstrings are always going to be active. The reason why, you know, your Ragnar sucked with the hill at the end, not just were you exhausted, your muscles were fatigued. When your glutes and hamstrings fatigue, they quit out. Your hip flexors are going to take over. Your quads are going to take over. You're going to sit back into your heels more, and you're going to try to climb up a hill with heel striking. Yeah. I So I went on a run this past weekend, and this is another reason why I wanted to talk about this today because talking to this person who has come out and run with me plenty of times I've told him how he should be changing up his running and he genuinely appreciates my input we were talking about hill work and he's getting ready to run the New Jersey Ultra and we were talking about how at Killington last year he was he did really well. He said, I probably could have gone out for another lap, but then the day, the next day I couldn't move. I felt like I got hit by a truck. Um, I took a complete rest and, you know, when I'm out there, my calves are completely exhausted and everything else. And I'm like, okay. So when you are going up the death March, for example, because obviously that's the big hill everybody talks about in Killington, even though it's not the hardest hill, um, how, how are you walking up this hill? I'm like you, nobody's really running up the death march. So talk, talk me through what you're doing. He's like, oh, you know, I'm, I, I, I'm heel striking as I'm going up this hill. And I'm like, well, when you run, do you heel strike? No. I'm like, okay. So why are you heel striking when you are walking? Well, I thought that's the time to like give my calves a rest because I've really been utilizing them with all of my running. So heel striking, going uphill just makes sense to me. I'm like, well, but why? You're at a significant incline. If you're putting your heels on the ground, you're asking your body to increase the range of motion in your ankle. So now you're asking your calves to work from an end range of motion where you're not training them because this is most likely a new range of motion that it doesn't see very often, but you're asking it to do that for a mile plus going up at, you know, 
a 30% grade or whatever else. So you're on your heels going from, you know, such a greater range of motion all the way through to your toes nonstop for anywhere from 30 to 60 minutes. And then you wonder why you're cramping. Oh, this makes so much sense. I'm like, yeah, a lot of people don't have that range of motion in their ankles. So it's, I, I also use the example of pull-ups. You go to any random gym and look at the, and I, I hate saying look at the bros because I, we've all been there and yeah. you know they, they are in the gym, they are working hard, good for them. You don't criticize people who are in the gym, but there are people who go and do pull-ups and they never go below 90 degrees. And there's a reason for that because when you get to end ranges of motion, you don't have the same kind of strength. So it takes a lot more energy to recruit those muscles to work through mm -hmm. the full range of motion. So now we're walking up a hill, your heel striking the entire time. You're asking your body to recruit muscles from an end range of motion. It doesn't have the energy. It doesn't have the strength anymore. And you're already tired. And you're already tired. So cramping happens with, um, with a mixture of heat. Your body is really warm. Uh, you know, the nutrition, the hydration, the electrolytes, you have been working all day, sweating your, your electrolyte imbalance completely off. And then the, the biggest factor in it all is your muscle spindle firing. So what that means is like the cross bridges in your muscles that work. If they are working too hard at certain ranges that it's not used to, it is going to start cramping or misfiring. So it's like, oh, well, I, I don't have any more strength out here. So I'm just going to completely lock up. And that is exactly what happens on the death march. You're going to see everybody cramping. You get up to the top of the death march and people are going to jump over that eight foot wall that they like to put on top and they're all going to cramp. It's because you went from significant calf flexion and, and then you went to go jump off the balls of your feet, your toes, whatever else. And your body's like, no, no, no. I, I don't have that range of motion anymore. I used up all of my energy this last hour on my heels where I'm not used to working. Yeah. And it makes sense. It's one of those, once you like explain it, it's like, oh yeah, yeah, that makes perfect sense. But, <laughs> it, but it, you don't think about it when you're out there in the race. Exactly. And Instead of people being like, oh, well, I'm just going to get up on the balls of my feet. They're thinking, oh, well, my calves, oh my gosh, my calves are so exhausted. They hurt. Um, I'm just going to turn sideways. Well, you don't walk up a hill sideways normally, do you? Why would you walk up a hill sideways now? Your muscles aren't trained in that range of motion either. So now not only are you going to cramp in your calves, you're also going to cramp in your adductors. You're probably going to cramp in your quads because a lot of people like to turn around and walk uphill backwards as well. And now when you're walking uphill backwards, you are trying to push off from your toes to propel you backwards. And you're getting this eccentric contraction through your quads. Your quads are responsible for your downhill. Your hamstrings and your glutes are responsible for your uphill. But because people like to neglect their, you know, their hamstrings and their glutes, they're not doing their deadlifts. They're not doing any kind of glute development. Instead, they're sitting and doing lunges. They're 
you know, doing squats never ending and they're not actually activating and training the junction between glutes and hamstrings. They're relying on their quads to now get them up a hill and get them down a hill and then expect not to cramp. And it, I see it get asked almost every single day and I really want to just pull my hair out. I'm like, it's biomechanics. It's really basic biomechanics training. You need to pull twice as much as you push. You know, use gravity when you are walking up a hill. Lean into what you're doing. If you're leaning into a mountain and you're on your heels, you're going to be very miserable. That weight is now going to be shifted forward onto your midfoot. And now you're like, oh, I don't need to put my heels on the ground because that's very uncomfortable as it is. Yeah. And then gravity is helping you pull up. Your glutes and your hamstrings are going to stay active and you're going to be pulling yourself up, up the mountain. Your back is going to be a lot happier. Your hips are going to be a lot happier. And then when you go to go downhill, your quads are like, oh, hey, yeah, I haven't really been working. So I've got this. Don't worry about me. Yeah, that's and it makes sense because i mean i'll be honest i've turned around to walk up a hill everyone yeah. well because it's it, like you said it's the calves for me it's the calves my my and i've always had it and i've never figured out exactly why my calves for the first two miles of every race try and cramp and then after mm-hmm. that they warm up and i'm good to go yeah and it's but so a lot of times if there's a hill right in the beginning i'll turn around just to try and get my you know stretch them out do something get those calves to like warm you know get going but yeah it makes sense that if you turn around you're doing it's not how we train so why would you expect your body to want to do it yeah obstacle course racing is one of the most functional things you can ever do you are literally acting like a child out Mm -hmm. you know running and playing on you know swing sets and whatever else your body is doing what it is naturally supposed to do why would you then say, oh, well, this is bothering me. So I'm going to do something that I don't ever train to do this functional activity. Walking up a hill backwards is not functional. No. And it's just, it's always baffling to me. Last year, I did create a reel and I posted it in the Spartan groups about walking up a hill backwards and I went out and I saw a bunch of people at Killington. I was marshalling and as they were coming off the rig that I was at, they would stop and say, oh my gosh, thank you so much for that video. The entire time I was walking up the death march, all I could think is don't turn around, don't turn sideways, go straight up, get on your midfoot. And I'm like, perfect. Like it was miserable and it sucked, but I haven't cramped or whatever else. And I'm like, well, you are about to cramp because you're going in the water next. And yeah. everybody knows that rapid cooling because your body's warm and all of that ranges of motion. You're going to cramp as soon as you get into the water. But yeah, that's it. But that is a tale for another time. <laughs> that is, yeah, that's one, that's one thing I, Spartan loves that. I've been on so many events where all of a sudden you're running, you're getting all warmed up and they're like, now jump in the river. And you're like, oh, this is not going to be. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. My favorite was always Vegas. super cold. Vegas, they did that. But the, and then one year, because Steve Hammond's evil, um, normally you it was like towards the beginning of the race, you hit the, the river and you go down the river. Um, one year he flopped the race backwards. Mm-hmm. So it was like three quarters of the way through the super. 
and you're out in the desert and then you hit this river that's only just above knee high. Mm -hmm. So it's at that level where you can't, you know, you can't get your feet out of the water to, to walk. So you have to drag them. Yeah. And you don't, you we went almost a quarter mile upstream that oh, way. Oh, yikes. So, and it was ice cold water. So all of a sudden you're out here, your whole rest of your body's like in the desert heat, but you're from knees down and just in ice cold water and you're dragging your legs. And it's like, you got about, you know, where you could see the end of it and your legs are on fire. And you're like, this is the stupidest thing. And then you're like, where can I find a stream like this? Cause this seems like a good workout, but <laughs> yeah. yeah. Honestly, the, it's really hard to train to prevent that kind of cramping just because it is your thermal regulatory system. Mm -hmm. And unless you are actively going from, you know, working out in ridiculous heat, straight into ice baths. And, and even then more times than not, you're not going to be trying to pump your muscles in an ice bath. So that rapid cooling isn't going to cause the cramping in a bath. Whereas once you have to swim, it will, yeah. because you're trying to kick your legs, you're trying to use your arms and they're like, Hey, um, yeah, we're really cold now and we have to protect ourselves. Yeah. Which I think is one of the main reasons triathlons, the swims in the beginning. Yeah, exactly. Cause I think if it was in the middle or the end, um, I think you get a lot more people that would well drown. But yeah. <laughs> imagine if an Ironman set up their triathlon similar to how uh, Spartan Ultra is, where like you do the half Ironman and then you start at the beginning and do the half Ironman again. So many more people would drop out. They would, but oh man, no, that actually sounds like a good idea though. But um, <laughs> I mean, it's it's a challenge. I mean, that's one of the things I tell you, that's one of the reasons why I started doing triathlons. I wanted a new challenge. Yeah. You know, it's like I was talking to someone the other day. It's the big problem we have here is we don't get races in the Northwest. Yep. So for us, it's like, you know, pretty much, you know, that's why, you know, I started doing Sisu, which I love Sisu. Mm -hmm. um, Ragnar, why I did Ragnar. Cause I love, you know, and now that I've yeah. done it, I'm like, I love this, but I never know what I've done it before. Cause I, if I live somewhere else, I would have the option of going to do an obstacle course race. And I would be doing that. Mm -hmm. you no, know, in triathlons, the only reason I started doing triathlons because nothing else was going on. Yep. We didn't have any, you know, last year we didn't have the option for, for many of them unless I wanted to travel to go to any races. So I'm like, okay, let's try this triathlon thing. Why not? Mm -hmm. You know, I have bikes in the backyard. I'll just grab one of them and we'll go do it. Luckily I started on a sprint because then I realized I needed a much better bike, but, um, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you know, now all of a sudden I'm, you know, doing those and it's like, okay, so that's kind of one of the things here is, you know, doing all the different stuff kind of is weird sometimes with my training. Cause I'm like, you know, yeah. like I've been training so hard for the Ironman, but at the same time, like you said, when I'm training for the Ironman, I'm running, I'm biking, I'm swimming, I'm still building muscle and endurance mm -hmm. to still be able to do Spartans. So it's kind yeah. of like, you know, and that's kind of been my focus is really hard on training for the, the Ironman. But then at the same time, I'm like, but I'm still yeah. Still building everything I need to do the Spartans. And actually most of the, without lifting, my arms are getting stronger and my chest is getting stronger just from the mm -hmm. swimming. Yeah, so. definitely. Honestly, I know that we're like, if we run obstacle course races, we are obstacle course racers. Mm -hmm. A lot of obstacle 
horse racers are venturing out to other avenues, you know, whether it's the Ragnar or triathlon, you know, the adventure racing, the ultra racing, you know, biathlons, whatever else. I think any kind of multi-sport races should just fall under that ultra sport or adventure racing Mm -hmm. umbrella. And we should stop saying, oh, well, we're an obstacle course racer versus we are an adventure racer. Mm-hmm. That, that's what we're it. doing. Mm-hmm. We we are quite literally just looking for adventure. We want to push our bodies in whatever is thrown at us. That's why we run obstacle horse races. But sometimes swimming is what is thrown at us. Sometimes mountain biking or road biking or whatever else is what's thrown at us. You know, adventure racing, you have kayaking and all this other stuff. Like we're adventure racers. That is what we are. I, I think I'm going to go with that now. Cause that's one thing, like I was talking to someone the other day and I'm like, shoot, if you really think about it, I'm a warrior. Cause I'm the warrior dash mm-hmm. gladiator rock and run. I've done Spartan. I've done tough mutter. I've done, you know, I'm trying to get the iron man, but I've done a, you know, Ragnar now. So I'm what are they Ragnar Aryan or whatever, but it's like, but like you said, or I'm, I'm an adventure racer. I like yeah. that. I like the adventure racer. That's yeah. What I'm going with. I know to a typical adventure racer like okay we're not orienteering and we're not doing all this other stuff we could if you give us the opportunity Mm -hmm. it's just not part of the races we have ran yet i could guarantee if somebody hands you a compass and says here's a raft go down the river and you know and here is your pinpoint or whatever else you would be like oh okay here let me quickly figure out how all of this works and let's do it and that's oh, I mean, what adventure racing is. I've looked at a few of those and I, I really want to do one of them. Mm-hmm. I want Same. to, you know, there's some that, you know, the raft, I've seen some with kayaking and, you know, the, the paddle boarding, everything. And I'm just like that, you know, they give you pretty much, you need to be here. Here's a compass, figure it out. Yeah. It's like, yeah. wait, you're not going to mark everything for me. There's no markings or no nothing. I have to, oh, I mean, cause I've done that. The, what is it? The star course, what the, the, the I can't remember what they're called. The, what brand that is the rocking one the uh, i mean i know go rock has that's it the okay. go rock i've done the go rock star course where they just give you pinpoint a whole bunch of yeah locations but even then it's like most of them like the team leader that we were with she just punched into her phone all the locations and had an app to do it and i'm like no what i've seen no. all those adventure races it's like here's a compass here's a here's a location on a map figure it out yeah I still can't talk about New Zealand, but that's exactly what we had to do in New Zealand. And it was like, you don't have a watch. You don't have a phone. You have a compass. I'll tell you what the declination is. You go figure it out. And if you're listening to this thinking, what the hell is a declination? You should really take a class in orienteering because it makes such a huge difference in everything. And honestly, being able to read a compass and knowing how to navigate, even if you are out, you know, on a trail run and you have no cell phone service anymore, but you know about where you are, you should be able to get back to where you are going just based on that compass and basic, you know, skills of heading in which direction. And if you have a map, that's great. Otherwise being able to read the trees and the trails. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's a lot to it. And I, I think that's, a, it's a lost art. It really it is. is. It really you know? is. And I mean, could I do it now? Yeah. If you give me a little bit of time, I could probably remember how to do, but I remember as a kid, I had a, I grew up, my brother was a survivalist and a total nut job by the way, but, um, <laughs> but he, uh, 
he who takes out in the woods and do the same thing. Like, here's a compass, here's a fishing pole, and here's this, figure out how to survive for like a week. Yeah. You know, and that was just normal, you know? So for me, it's like one of those, I, like I said, if you give me a little bit, I could figure it out again. It's been a long time since I've done it, but I love, I've looked at a few of those and I would love that. Yeah. It's literally, if, if you get lost in the woods and you don't have any kind of cell reception, you know, your watch is dead, whatever else, all you really have to do is know which direction is which and have a general understanding of where you are, whether it's, you know, you've looked at the map and you know where, you know, general roads are based on what you remember, or if you can hear any natural landmarks, then you can figure out how to get to a safe space to seek help or whatever else. As long as you can find a road, you're not lost anymore. Yeah. And that is what it ultimately comes down to. You don't need to know necessarily where you are exactly on a map or where you are going exactly on a map. As long as you can get to a road, then you can head in a specific direction and find more landmarks to get you to where you need to be to be safe. Yeah. And I mean, it's one of those things, I mean, in just easy ways, people, you had it all the time by when you're driving and all of a sudden you get into an area that doesn't you get no reception just driving. I can remember the first time we went to Montana. Yeah. Me and my wife were driving. You know, I had looked at the map, but not close. She had the, you know, her phone and was doing, being the navigator. And we got her a spot. And she's like, uh, I have no reception. I don't know which way to go. And I'm thinking, okay, well, I know where we need to be is, you know, Flathead Lake is north, you know, east of where we're at. So mm-hmm. if we go this way, this road's pointing that way. And, you know, hopefully that should keep us in the right direction. And those are just some of those things that a lot of people just don't, yeah, don't know how to it, do anymore. If the phone doesn't work, they're done. They're done. Yeah. And it's terrifying. I mean, there's going to come a day where, you know, power goes out, cell phone service could go out mm-hmm. and it's literally just, can you survive? And a lot of people aren't going to make it. I mean, how you drive to Killington and I guarantee you, you do not have cell reception until you are literally driving up the road onto the mountain. So if that happens, what are you going to do? Exactly. And that's it. That's what a lot of people don't think about. They're like, oh, I have my cell phone, but sometimes it's not going to work. Yeah. You know, and that was one of the things like, you know, because I did the the seasuit there's no cell reception up there yeah you know there's nothing so you, yeah. you better hope that you know if you get lost because it was funny i <laughs> speaking of seasuit that's what i did last year i did the you know did the race and the next week mm-hmm. and i went up and like pulled down all the you know the the markers and all that well not thinking about it and just having a nice hike in the woods i pulled down all the markers on my way up <laughs> okay and then when i went to go back down i'm like huh. uh yeah. And at one point, all of a sudden, I'm like, I should be back at camp by now. Yep. So I sat there for a minute and kind of stopped for a second and looked around, figured out, okay, you know, got my bearings, said, okay, I think I know where I am. And I was right. I was about, not exactly, but I knew, had an idea. And I was about four miles off where I should, where I should have been. Yeah. And I kind of changed direction, went going. And then I found it, you know, got to a point where I could hear the road. I knew where it was. And I'm like, okay, the camp is close to that. So I know I'm going the right way. And it's just, you find landmarks. Exactly. You, you know, as you're going and it's like, oh, I remember this landmark as I was going and people get so into their phones, they don't see the landmarks. Yeah. Literally with orienteering, all it is, is, okay, I have a bearing. We are heading in this direction at this degree. 
What am I looking at directly in there? Okay, I see that big tree. I'm going to walk to that big tree. You get to that tree. You look and say, okay, straight ahead is this. I'm going to walk straight to this. And even if you don't have a straight line to it, as long as you can still see the landmark that you're going to, you are still heading in the right direction. Mm -hmm. And most and people it. do not understand that. Yeah, because I mean, we had one, it was four, three or four years ago here in Washington with some lady her phone her her car died she mm -hmm. pulled off to the side of the road for whatever reason decided to go off into the woods to try and you know whatever oh no and was lost for like four days because she just walked away from the roadway and you're like ah. because i think what it was they said something i think she thought she she could like cut across oh like the other side or something and whatever but it was like she wasn't sure and then she just walked off into the woods and was lost for like four days and it's like wow you know you know so you you it happens <laughs> yeah no yeah. oh, that that sucks we went off on an awesome tangent we did about this i love it yes it was fun that's what and, i love about talking to you we go we, yeah. once we get into like a subject then we like all over the place so it's like awesome. now that we are officially adventure racers <laughs> adventure racers and i love uh, it i love it um, but I, I know that, you know, we are hitting close to an hour somewhere. Yes. Close We're getting here. close and, you know, and, Don gets all whiny. Yeah. Don doesn't like <laughs> us talking any longer. I, with this whole hill work stuff, I mean, mm -hmm. I am the, the one person that is always calling people out and saying, don't do that, do this yes. as opposed to like, oh, Hey, so why are you doing this? Like, I know the proper etiquette in the gym. I'm always going to ask questions about why you're doing something. But when I'm trying to get a message across, I'll be like, don't do this. Do this instead. And then it's like everybody who's like, I do that. I feel so attacked. And I've gotten called out numerous times because people feel attacked when I say, don't do this. Well, I'm about to do it again. Um, it's <laughs> There is nothing I hate worse than seeing people opting for a stair stepper, um, throwing on their weight vest and just hiking up a hill when it comes to hill training. Because we've already touched on it. What you don't necessarily need is that leg strength while you are physically training up a hill. You should already have a strength base. That is where your strength training comes in. You need to be learning heart rate control in your cardio. So when you are on a stair stepper, more times than not, and everybody is guilty of it at one point or another, people lean on the handrails. So they are now pushing down as opposed to using those glutes and hamstrings. They are not using their arms to pump. They are not allowing gravity to help them up. And that is the number one reason why I say get off the stair stepper. It is causing your hamstring or your hip flexors and your quads to overwork. If I see you on a stair stepper with a weight vest and you're leaning into it, or even if you're just on a stair stepper with weight, I'm going to call you out because again, your strength training should be like, should have already happened. You should build up your leg strength naturally if you are adding weight to poor mechanics, you're strengthening poor mechanics. Yeah. And that's what a lot of people don't understand. 
And that is the exact same with walking up a hill. If you're walking up a hill in a weight vest, I, you know, I, I, people who want to ruck, go for it. I fully condone it. A lot of people who do ruck, they strength train specifically for rucking as well. So Mm -hmm. I completely condone that. I have a lot of friends who are very active in go ruck and their strength training is all around what they are doing with their ruck. So by all means, if you want to ruck up mountain, if you are training specifically to ruck, I am all for it. If you are wearing a weight vest up a hill and you, you know, also do go ruck or whatever else, as long as your strength training and your proper mechanics, go for it. If you do not know how to run up a hill and instead you would, you just want to add a weight vest and walk. Now you are pushing your heart rate into a zone that it probably shouldn't be because you're not pushing it high enough, but you're not keeping it low enough. So you're staying in that junk miles. So you're adding on high aerobic, but not to any real benefit. And then you are strength training for mechanics. So if you are going to throw on a weight vest and walk up a hill, just start running up a hill. And like I tell all of my clients when they see running or hill running or whatever else, Running is relative. You got to, you got to walk before you can power hike. You got to power hike before you can run. So if you have to do hill repeats where you're simply walking up, walking back down, go for it. If your hill repeats are power hiking up, walking back down, perfect. Build up the ability to run on an incline and learn that heart rate sensation because your perceived exertion against mental toughness is just as necessary as physical toughness on a hill. So learn how to push through for a little bit longer in a run on a hill. So then when you do hit the death march or whatever else it is for whichever race you are running, you're slowing down a little bit and you're like, Hey, you know, I'm working hard, but I, I'm not gassed. I can move a little bit faster or I don't need to stop. And that's all because you have pushed to the point where you think you're, you need to just stop and die, but you're like, no, I can go for 10, 20 more seconds. And that is going to get you up a hill, a hell of a lot better. Sorry, I swear. Um, then putting on a weight vest and just walking up a hill. Thank you for coming to my TED talk. (laughs) (laughs) And it's one of those things. I mean, I completely agree because I know I did a lot of training, you know, in the first year with weight vests, rucks, all that kind of stuff, but it was different types of training where it was, I was training to rock, which when you're rocking up a hill is completely different than running up a hill and it's completely different muscles. Yes because you're moving in a different way. And it's like one of those things a lot of people don't realize either running and walking completely different muscles. Yes. Well, yeah. I mean, we've already talked about, you don't want to heel strike when you're walking up a hill, but you heel strike when you walk naturally, nobody is sitting walking on their midfoot throughout Mm -hmm. the day, but that's because there's not as much demand in, in walking on your calves, but you go up a hill, there is now a significant demand on those calves. So you have to revert to that, those running mechanics. If all you're doing is spending time walking up a hill, you're 
creating poor mechanics. Your calves cannot work in that extreme range of motion and then asking your glutes and your hamstrings to continue to function. I mean, you think about it. If you're heel striking, how bent is your knee? Too much. Oh, if, not enough. If, if you're heel striking, it's not enough. Not enough. It's yeah. If, if your leg is already straight, where is your hamstring doing any work? Yeah. It's not. Your quads are now going to do the work. And in order to pick up your knee and keep going, your hip flexors have to do the work. So when you're heel striking, you are now asking your quads and your hip flexors to get involved. Whereas if you're on your midfoot, and it's the same with running as power hiking is everything else. If you are on your midfoot, your knee is going to be bent. You push down into that mountain, your hamstrings activate, your glutes activate, your hip flexors and your quads are like, oh, I don't feel a thing. They're doing their job and helping to stabilize as opposed to like actually using that muscle strength. Yeah. No, I agree. And it's one of the, cause the thing is, I know I, I, I can't heel strike. If I try heel striking up a hill, my knee's going to be like, Hey, yeah. remember me? And I'm like, yeah. Oh, no, I definitely remember you. Yeah. So. And it's, it's because your entire posterior chain is at its end range of motion. And there is no more strength at the end range of motion yeah. in order to activate the hamstrings. You need a knee bend because the hamstrings job is to straighten out the knee and help straighten out the hip. Mm-hmm. But if, the hip and the knee are already straight. They have nothing else to do. Yeah. So now they're asking the quads and the hip flexors, and that is all going to pull on the lower back, and you are going to be in for a world of hurt. Yeah, not good at all. Not yeah. good at all. I've talked a lot of science today. Yeah, <laughs> you have it. I feel like I've learned something. I love Sorry. this stuff. Oh yeah. Well, and this is what I love talking with you about it and stuff. Cause it's a lot of times like with today, it's like, oh yeah, that makes perfect sense. It's yeah. like things that I've thought before that I'm like, oh, now it makes sense. You know why I shouldn't be doing that. You know, where, yeah. you know, whatever reason you're told all the time, oh, if you get tired, just turn around and walk backwards. And I'm like, oh yeah, no, now let's know what you, it's like, no, that doesn't, you don't train like that. So your muscles aren't ready for that. Yeah. That is all uh, eccentric work. And with how muscle contractions work, eccentric will build the most strength. It's also going to create the most, most soreness. It is the most intense of the muscle contractions. And that is eccentric is the elongation. So building strength through elongating. That is what a negative is when we do like a negative pull-up. So I program in a lot of eccentric hamstring work specifically to build hamstring strength because Mm -hmm. it's going to build it the quickest. If you're on a race, you're not looking to build strength. You're looking to utilize strength. So you need the concentric movements. I literally had somebody the other day comment on a reel of mine on Facebook. And I was doing concentric only deadlifts because I'm building power specifically to go into a race. So I didn't work any of the eccentrics because I want only the firing phase, not the coming back down phase. And they said, oh, well, I'd be much more impressed if she didn't drop the weight. I said, oh, okay, well, I'm holding it at the top. And then you can literally see me open my hands and drop it. I, it's not falling out of my hands. I'm physically letting go. Like, I, I'm so happy that 
me deadlifting 175 pounds is not impressive to you. Look, I know why I'm doing this. I'm building my power. I'm building my concentric for a race. So you don't need that elongating during a race. Mm -hmm. That is strictly for training. And I'm not saying you don't need it. Like it, there is benefit to it, but it, the eccentric phase takes more energy. So we want to focus on the concentrics only. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. So, yeah. all right. Well, we science, should probably get yay. out of here. Yeah, science is awesome, but we should probably get out of here. Dawn's going to mad because we've yes. so long, but yes, definitely. always a blast when I talk to you. I love talking to you because we, you know, yeah, it helps me in so many ways because I'm like, oh, I know what I need to change a little bit here and there. So like I said, and uh, yeah. So now I yeah. have the Garmin. You can watch me and yell at me for all the stuff I'm doing. <laughs> but. Awesome. And you know, I will. I um, absolutely love this. I mean, I think I've said it before, but my clients continue to tell me how they love to train with me, not just because I give them, you know, awesome workouts, but because I can explain what it is they're doing and like the science behind it all, but I can explain it in a way that it makes sense to people who probably don't have the science background. And that is like my biggest passion in life is teaching this stuff specifically for people who maybe wouldn't understand the big sciencey terms. It just makes so much more sense to me. But it he wants to go meet them and um, we, we should probably go. All right. Perfect. Well, he, he has decided that, yes, we are done. So, yes, all right. Yes. Well, thank you. And we will, we will talk again soon. Yes, definitely. I look forward to it. All right. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the BeastNet podcast. If you haven't done it yet, find us on Facebook, like, and share the podcast. Give us a review on iTunes or Spotify. All these things will help to expand the show in the future. Don't forget to subscribe and let us know what you think and what you'd like to hear. Yeah.